Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, Daddy-O, I'm doing pretty good. How are you holding up, buddy? Yeah, you know, I'm good. I, I, I thought I would be more exhausted, especially after hearing that... Uh, uh-huh. Total soup sandwich yesterday. <laughs> that was a line in my prior line of work. If you were a real screw up, you were a soup sandwich. That guy. And if you were really bad, you were a ham sandwich. And if you were like super awful, you were a deli case. My buddy Neil used to say that. That guy's a deli case. Like he was the whole deli. He wasn't just a ham sandwich. So that just that that total mess yesterday. Of course, I'm referring to the disastrous Michael Cohen hearing up on Capitol Hill, where he made so many contradictory statements that were seemingly bypassed by the media coverage afterwards. Um, so I, I, to be candid, folks, I wanted to wait. Joe and I made the executive decision to wait on on the, the whole hearing before we talked about it. That's why you're probably wondering why uh, we didn't get a lot of that stuff in yesterday. Well, that, that's why I wanted, you know, we recorded at the same time that thing was starting. So it wouldn't have been fair to you to take one snippet. So we've got a good idea what went down. It was a total mess. And don't go anywhere because I'm going to point out to you how Cohen, whether he knows it or not, debunked his entire story in, in almost his opening statement and the follow-up questions from there. All right, let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Hair Club. This is when I love having Joe on the show because nobody <laughs> nobody on the planet has better hair than Joe. Uh, Listen, no. it's true, man. Now that we, you know, we're getting to the videos and everything, people are starting to see Joe. He, they're starting to recognize him now, and it's his hair that's the dead giveaway. But listen, your confidence is important. And sometimes one change can make all the difference. Hair Club knows this. And they're inviting you to become part of the Hair Club family to see how getting the most out of your hair can change your life. Listen, they understand the emotions you're feeling and they know the questions you have. Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions with a legacy of success. Forget a load of this. Over 40 years. Whether you're looking to revitalize the growth of your own hair or to learn more about the latest proven methods for hair replacement or restoration, Hair Club's professionally trained stylists Hair health experts and consultants will craft a personalized solution just for you to ensure you feel your best and get the most out of your hair. See for yourself just how powerful great hair can be. People love Hair Club. We get really good reviews on this on our email. That's why I leave my email. I like to hear about our sponsors too. Get ready to love your hair. If you're a new client, just dial star star zero zero five from your mobile phone and we'll shoot you a text to schedule your free hair health and scalp analysis right from your phone. That's star star zero zero five to set your appointment to get your free hair kit and two hundred and fifty dollar credit towards qualifying services. That's a total value of three hundred dollars for new clients. Or if you're a new client, just dial star star zero zero five from your mobile phone. We'll shoot you a text to schedule your hair health analysis with a hair hair health professionals. It couldn't be easier. Star star zero zero five from your mobile phone today to set your appointment and and receive your free take home hair kit and two hundred fifty dollars off qualifying services experience your hair your life at its best only with hair club we're sure you'll love the club okay let's get to it first one of the most important things about this hearing that you're you're not getting to and i just want to reiterate the importance of this because it shows you the duplicity of the democrats that they're trying to avoid something here that's the whole purpose for this being ladies and gentlemen remember The Russia stuff, although not exclusively off limits in this, was kept behind closed doors yesterday when the whole reason for these hearings for being and the whole reason Michael Cohen is up there is because there have been allegations of Russian collusion on behalf of the Trump team. Now, I want to be clear on this. When asked and put on the spot by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a Democrat congresswoman from Florida, if he believed Michael Cohen, that is. 
if he believed that Trump was capable of colluding with the Russians. He said, I do not, that he does not think that. So keep in mind, the whole reason for Bob Mueller's investigation, the satellite investigations through the Southern District, and all of this rigmarole we're going through now, folks, is because there were allegations that Trump colluded with the Russians. There are contradictory statements made, but the one thing key to this that has not been mentioned yet is this trip to Prague. The trip to Prague and all the Russia stuff that was kept behind closed doors yesterday is the key to the whole case. The case was built around this political document the dossier used to attack Trump. The central tenet of the dossier is that Michael Cohen was the guy that went to Prague to coordinate this hacking of the emails on behalf of the Trump team. There is no evidence that happened. It has been denied multiple times. It has been denied by Cohen. It has been denied by his lawyer. This is this is the one thing we could knock this whole case out with. But there's seemingly everybody's dancing around this topic. Now, when it comes to actual collusion, it's interesting. Cohen and some of his answers and some of his statements Cohen has been very deceptive. Now, to show you, by the way, before we even get to his duplicitous answers, I want to I want to hat tip uh, the uh, RNC here. The RNC put out an, uh, an email this morning in a tweet with this short, brief video. So hat tip to them about Michael Cohen's prior statements about Donald Trump, which he's now trying to back away from. So I want you to listen to this quickly, and then I'll get to the, where he screwed himself over. Cohen, play that cut. Now, I want to tell you about the real Donald Trump. He's really, uh, he's a unifier. The words the media should be using to describe Mr. Trump are generous. He's going to do everything that he promised. He's going to bring success and he's going to make America great. Compassionate, principled. Donald Trump speaks from the heart. Empathetic, kind. He's going to stay true to who he is. He's going to be an amazing president. Humble, honest, and genuine. Mr. Trump's memory is fantastic. And it, I've never come across a situation where Mr. Trump has said something that's, that's not accurate. All Donald Trump wants to do is make this country great again. Okie dokie. So there's Michael Cohen <laughs> extolling the virtues yeah. of president candidate Donald J. Trump. Uh, but he gets up there today and he proceeds to tell everybody. I'm going to go through some of the lists here. I don't want to give a lot of this stuff even airtime, folks, because the guy is a self-admitted liar, a fraud. Um, uh, he's a joke. He's a hoax himself. Uh, but he went up there and he claimed Donald Trump is a racist, that he doesn't want people to see his SAT scores, that he uh, it, it was engaged in some business payments where he didn't want to pay some small businesses. Uh, it, that's really the core of what he said. And that Donald Trump at one point, this is the important stuff, Joe, that at one point, Donald Trump, he was Cohen was in the office and he alleges this uh, self-admitted liar that Donald Trump took a call from Roger Stone. Uh, you know, Roger Stone, the subject of a, uh, a multiple person FBI tactical uh, yeah. <laughs> raid on his home. And that Stone told him uh, Trump that is on speakerphone that Julian Assange from WikiLeaks was about to dump DNC emails. And he alleges that uh, Trump's response to that was quite interesting. Joe, cue up that cut. Listen to the end of this. This is Cohen now. So in addition to all those other allegations that Trump is a racist, by the way, which is all garbage. That's just not I don't I, it's total nonsense. The guy's a self-admitted liar. This is the one I think Cohen believes is going to be the most damaging uh, in order to the Democrats are using this in order to foster the collusion thing. Play that cut. But in the mix, lying for Mr. Trump was normalized. And no one around him questioned it. In fairness, no one around him today questions it either. A lot of people have asked me about whether Mr. Trump knew about the release of the hacked documents 
the Democratic National Committee email ahead of time? And the answer is yes. As I earlier stated, Mr. Trump knew from Roger Stone in advance about the WikiLeaks drop of emails. In July of 2016, days before the Democratic Convention, I was in Mr. Trump's office when his secretary announced that Roger Stone was on the phone. Mr. Trump put Mr. Stone on the speakerphone. Mr. Stone told Mr. Trump that he had just gotten off the phone with Julian Assange and that Mr. Assange told Mr. Stone that within a couple of days, there would be a massive dump of emails that would damage Hillary Clinton's campaign. Mr. Trump responded by stating to the effect, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> now, what? Joe, I, I think you're picking up the problem here. But in case you're not, you're the audience ombudsman. And some of you in the audience may be picking this up as well. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind why we're here. We are here because the lunatic Democrats have alleged Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to spike the election and win. But Joe, if Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to win, why is he so surprised by Roger Stone's alleged phone call in front of Cohen where Stone is telling him something he should have already known? Ladies and gentlemen, Cohen is not very bright. Matter of fact, Cohen comes off as, uh, I'm sorry to say it, but an ignoramus. He comes out like quite a dopey guy. Um, he admits he's a liar on multiple times. And then he starts talking about these things. And he was, you know, it's funny how, um, again, before he starts, to, you know, he's sitting there and he's talking about how wonderful and how great he, you know, he feels about his family. And all of a sudden there's allegations about, about him and his behavior there personally as well. But the guy is a known admitted liar. Even the Southern District of New York and the, uh, the, uh, the prosecutors who have it in for Trump who are dealing with him don't seem to trust the man at all. But he just contradicted himself in the exact same sense. He's trying to somehow allege or impugn the character of Donald Trump for colluding with the Russians. How could he be colluding with the Russians, ladies and gentlemen, if he is surprised by a phone call by Stone saying that Julian Assange has some DNC emails? Joe, I want to be clear on this because, you mm -hmm. know, you're my only voice here. Today. Good. Do you get what I'm saying? If Trump is colluding with the Russians who have the DNC emails and Trump is aware of this and is using the Russians to dump these DNC emails to negatively impact the election for Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. then how is he surprised by a phone call by Roger Stone alleging that he spoke to Julian Assange, who said he had the emails? Does that make any sense? You know, I tweeted that out. I'm like, if you're a liberal, yeah. I guess it makes sense. Because, you know, liberals have this fax vaccine mm -hmm. and these six foot thick skulls that are like made of lead where, you know, fax can't penetrate. Like the fax x-ray doesn't get through the leather, uh, the lead blanket. You know, when they I just had x-rays done on my elbow, <laughs> you put that lead blanket around you, you know, so you don't, wanna, you don't get the x-ray. They have this lead blanket around their heads. It's like the fax can't penetrate, folks. How the heck is he surprised by this? Is This is a question I need you to ask. And I, by the way, I don't even believe the stone... The Stone phone call happened. Roger Stone phone call happened that, that Cohen's alleging. I don't. The guy is a self-admitted liar and a fraud. He is a convicted liar. This guy it will do anything at this point to reduce his sentence, get a book deal, and ingratiate himself to the hardcore anti-Trump left. It's absolutely clear. The, the only signal I needed, Joe, was the allegations that, oh, Trump's a racist. Nobody... I'm just, mm -hmm. Listen, I'm sorry. I don't mean to get off track here. And Joe, yeah. try to keep me grounded a little bit. But um, there's so much in this thing that I yeah. want to break down for you. B 
besides the fact that, let me just close that, the chapter on that one. Besides the fact there that if Trump was colluding with the Russians, he wouldn't have been surprised by the phone call and said, wouldn't that be great? Which Cohen doesn't seem to understand because he's an idiot, that he just debunked his own theory. His constant attacks on Trump being a racist don't marry up with the reality. Ladies and gentlemen, I know people I, uh, I know people who know Trump. I know uh, people who know people who work for Trump. If Donald Trump was a racist, where were these charges for the, Joe, what would you say? 20 plus years Donald Trump has been in the public spotlight. Where were these charges before? Have you seen them? No, no. So, of course you haven't, and you won't. Where are these, where is this, these long lists uh, of minority employees of the Trump organization coming out and saying, gosh, this guy was such a racist when I worked there. Why aren't they? Where are they? How come the only person up there on Capitol Hill was uh, a, a black female who Mark Meadows put up there who said that these allegations that Trump is a racist are a lie? That should signal to you to close the loop on where I was going with this. That what Cohen's doing up there is he's virtue signaling to the left using identity politics because he wants what, Joe? He wants some kind of a book deal or he wants to be accepted as some kind of saving grace uh, messianic figure amongst the left. And he wants to be the deep throat type guy to take down Trump. That's the one I think, yeah. And what is the key, Joe, to always ingratiating yourself to the left? You're racist. That's the every single time. This is the dog whistle code word to the left that I'm going to be the one to use your identity politics cudgel in conjunction with false allegations of collusion to take down the president you all hate. He needs a book deal. He needs money. He has now been disbarred. He has no money. He had to throw in something you know, centrally, centrally located in the identity politics sphere. That's the way you surgically attach your lips to the butt of the left. There's a reason he did that. There is zero evidence Donald Trump is a racist. And, and Cohen's evidence, I heard him say once as we were driving through a neighborhood that uh, only black people would live like this. And it's, it's interesting. Meadows or Jordan or whatever asked him, is there any corroboration? Did anyone else hear it? You know, the driver. Anybody else? And it, I, I know what I heard, but there's no evidence for that at all. <laughs> I could say that about anyone. I could say, you know, when I was a transportation uh, section special agent, I heard Obama once say uh, that he was from Mars. Was he? No, he wasn't from Mars, but I heard it. I didn't hear that. It's stupid, but he's just making it up. This is nonsensical hearsay that would never be admitted in court because people do this crap all the time. People make stuff up to stay out of jail. And he knows the racist dog whistle. Joe, the, the, the racist dog whistle is like, it's like manna from heaven for the left. It's like they, 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 they can't get enough of it. It like turns there. It's like, I can't even, I'm trying to think of like a talisman for the, like something you've seen in a movie that instantly gets the attention of everyone. Like, you know, they open up a, it, it, they open up the Ark of the Covenant. And everybody's like, Oh my gosh, the left hears race racist. And instantly everybody's head turns everybody. It's like, you know what it makes me think if you ever have dogs and you feed your dogs at a certain time every day, the uh-huh. dogs have this internal clock, say it's 6 PM for dinner. And it's like six Oh five. And you have three or four dogs and they're looking at you like this. Cause you're late there. Joe eyes beamed in beamed to every motion. Is he, is he going? <laughs> Is he going for the food? Is he going for the food? Is that food? What is that? Is he going for the fridge? Is he going for the dog? <laughs> this is the, is he going for the racism? Is he going for the racism? Is he going, oh, he's got the racism. He's oh! got the, this is, this is all they were waiting for. There is zero evidence of that. Matter of fact, my mother-in-law, who happens to be a minority female immigrant to this country, who I love very much, 
always tells the story why she's a Trump supporter. Because when they had Trump Airlines at the airport, now listen, I don't want to over-exaggerate this story and make it out like it's some guy. I'm not going to do the Michael Cohen and make it out like this is, you know, hardcore evidence. Trump's a good guy. I believe he's a good guy. I've met him. I, I, I believe he's a great guy. You know, we're all sinners. He has his faults like everyone else. But my mother-in-law always tells the story of working at LaGuardia Airport when in Trump Airlines, he would come on the planes and if he saw people cleaning the planes, he would drop them like $100 tips. Mm-hmm. There was no press around. He wasn't like, hey, someone called Time Magazine to tell him how great I am. I mean, again, I don't want to over-exaggerate the story, but is that evidence of like some really awful racist guy? Come on, give me a break with the stupidity, huh? We went through the uh, same bunch of virtue signaling last week with McCabe. You remember. Exactly. Exactly. You're, yeah, you're, same crap. And you know what's interesting about the hearing, Joe? McCabe's name was brought up a few times to another guy trying to save his butt. Like, they huh. both have the same motivation. to. Yeah, yes, you're yeah. right. The virtue signaling, the talisman-like appeals to the left using yeah. charges of racism, collusion, treason. They know the left are suckers. Anything that sounds anti-Trump, they'll pick up on and run with it. They know this. They're not stupid. And this is, again, what he's doing right now. Now, there's a couple of other... And this, again, stuff I, I, I don't want. You're going to get a lot of coverage on this, but I think this is unique to our show. I haven't heard it anywhere else yet. We're a little behind, but so for the first takeaway is the wouldn't it be great when he gets a alleged phone call by Roger Stone is evidence on its face that Trump wasn't colluding with the Russians. Why was he surprised then? Wouldn't that be great if we had the emails? I thought you had the emails. I thought you were colluding. But the second takeaway, Cohen made a point repeatedly over and over in the testimony, Joe, of saying that. Donald Trump said to him that his campaign for president was going to be the the best infomercial of all time. In other words, as Cohen, uh, Cohen alluded to, Co- uh, Trump never had any intention of winning. This has been a persistent rumor uh, dragging and anchoring the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency. Uh, this allegation that he wasn't serious, that he only ran for office because it would enhance his brand. Uh, he never expected to win. And when he did, exp- you know, and when he did win, it was a surprise. Now, a couple of things on this. Why Cohen is, again, either one of the dumbest human beings on the planet or doesn't even understand that he contradicted himself, just like he did with the Roger Stone phone call. First, Joe, enhance his brand. Every semi-reasonable, rational analysis of the Trump brand, whether it's his hotels, his businesses, whatever it is has shown near catastrophic losses due to insane lunatic liberals boycotting, demanding his name being taken off buildings, enhances... Joe, this guy's a businessman. He's concerned with making money. He's not stupid. I'm not messing with you here, Joe. If you wanted to enhance Armacost Towers and Armacost Enterprises, do you run for office and take a near billion dollar hit to the goodwill involved with your name? I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I don't think so. You, you don't. No. Joe, you know, you, you, I'm not making this up here. Like you're not an MBA, right? You're not a financial no. guy. Oh, no, but Joe's no. a smart. Here's the difference. Joe has common sense, unlike liberals. Some liberals, by the way, who have MBAs and still can't figure that out. So let me let me just be clear. Mm-hmm. In a culture war in the United States where conservatives are depicted as the worst things known to mankind, racist, misogynist, xenophobes, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all a thousand times. They don't like grandma, dogs, babies, whatever it may be. He runs as a to the right conservative to enhance his brand in a culture and a business culture now that leans far left. Ladies and gentlemen, does this make any sense? How does this make sense? Only if you're a liberal does this make sense. Now, Joe, to be fair, mm-hmm. if Trump would have run as a far left radical, 
and said, I want health care for all, he would have been a pop culture icon. His brand, everybody, Hollywood would have stayed at his hotels. He would have been a star in music videos, pop videos, rap videos, hip hop videos. They'd love him. But that's not what he did. He ran as a conservative, which right now is uh, is an attacked class of people in the United You're the deplorables. So that line of, I don't believe what, I think Cohen, I, I think this part, he's just completely making up that Trump was running to enhance his brand because it makes no sense on its face. But that's not where he refutes his own point there. He says at one point that, uh, that Trump at one point was got somewhat you know excited about the idea of these emails being released that were going to damage Hillary Clinton's campaign at a, and he was excited at the prospects of winning. <laughs> Joe, what is it? Is the guy <laughs> only running because he doesn't want to win and enhance his brand? Because in the same, basically in the same nonsensical 20-minute speech he gave at the beginning, he gives contradictory evidence. But then he goes on to say, oh, he was excited when this Roger Stone call came in and he found out that Hillary Clinton might have damaging it. What is it? Do you want to win the campaign? Do you see how this makes no sense? <laughs> he's running to make money to enhance his brand, but he's excited about the idea of winning the campaign. Now, you may say, well, maybe he wanted to enhance his brand and win, but that's not what he said. That's not what he said. Cohen's saying that he didn't want to win, that he was only running. And that I should have laid the groundwork here. Cohen's doing this for a simple reason. He's doing this to make Trump sound mercenary, Joe. Like Trump was in this for the money the whole time. And now that he's been elected president by surprise, something he didn't want, he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's a total incompetent fool. You see where I'm going with this? But you can't have it both ways. You can't have it that Trump was all of a sudden excited about the prospect of winning and wanted to govern and then suggest, on the other hand, that he was excited about the prospect of losing because it was a money-making endeavor. But again, Cohen doesn't seem to get these non-sequiturs in his own speech. He, He stepped on himself repeatedly. And most of what he said is just hearsay, nonsensical garbage. So I'll move on, but a couple more, uh, just a couple more points on this. I got a couple other things to get to. I didn't want to do the whole show on this today. You'll get a lot of coverage on it. But I wanted to point out those those two points. Um, One of his other allegations, again, is total, complete hearsay. He says he was in the office one time with Donald Trump, and he said Donald Trump is a desk, and it's very rare for people to go behind Donald Trump's desk, which is how that is. I don't know. I think he said it in some kind of a... You try to, again, impugn Trump, like say, oh, my gosh, he's such an egomaniac, Joe. No one goes behind his desk. But I don't know about you, Joe, but even when I was working over at WCBM where you work, mm-hmm. you don't typically go behind a guy's desk when you were talking to the executives. Even at a, It's not a it's just a business thing. He's on one side of the desk. You're on the other. Can you imagine you go into the office like with Niles or something? Remember Niles over at CBM and Niles <laughs> is talking to you about a read and you like go on the other side and pull up a chair. It's, I, I mean, I hate to bring up stupid stuff, but this is how ridiculous. Yeah. Cohen's testimony was yesterday. He goes, and it was really unusual for anyone to go on the other side of Trump's desk. Again, as if that's some characteristic unique to Trump. He goes, but his son walked in and did it. <laughs> now, oh, again, this is like seemingly, oh my gosh, breaking news. Don Trump Jr. walked on the other side of Trump's desk. Now, my father used to head a buildings department in the town of Smithtown on Long Island. And uh, he had a desk. And when I went in his office show, Get ready. This is a bombshell. Media matters. Get ready to pick this up. Breaking. Put the little drudge report alarm on it. 
I would go behind the desk. They got me. I, Joe, I just said the show's done. Forget it. We're going to advertiser boycott. <laughs> Dan Bongino went behind his father's desk and said hello to him. This, this, that's his story. Now, yeah. it's clear to me, again, to give you this little insight here, Lanny Davis, who is a Clinton acolyte. Lanny Davis is a Clinton bootlicker like you've never seen. He is a lawyer who has been in the Clinton sphere forever, is now Cohen's lawyer, his PR guy. Lanny Davis was sitting right over the shoulder of Michael Cohen. Nothing screams credibility, by the way, Joe, like a self-admitted liar testifying about lying with a Clinton hack acolyte sitting over your right shoulder. Nothing (laughs) says credibility like that. It's clear to me Davis wrote this from a lawyer PR perspective, again, to make it seem that in this painting of the, you know, I wrote, I wrote a few books, as you know, and when you write a book and you tell a story, you want everything, you want to put the audience in the room and you want things to appear dramatic. They tell you this when you're writing a book. I've told Joe about this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're writing about the Secret Service being in the car, you want to talk about how the thick windows and turning the corner, how you couldn't see over the A pillar and you were worried you're going to clip a curb. You want to put the audience in the moment. The very reason Lanny Davis, who I believe wrote this for Cohen, writes this story about Don Trump Jr. coming in the office and he dares to go behind the desk of Donald Trump and nobody does that ever is to make it out like this is profound, deep information. Keep in mind, this is the guy's son. He probably walks behind his dad's desk all the time to say, hey, the McDonald's order came in. This probably happens every day, but that's not the way they write it. This is done very tactically. This is probably like the 50,000 draft of this. Nobody goes there. And Don Trump Jr. walked behind the desk and he whispered in his ear, Joe, wait, wait, get ready for it. This is according to, uh, this is according to Michael Cohen. The meeting is all set. (gasps) Now I see Joe on camera. Joe's looking at me like, um, did you cut that off? Is there something else here? No, no, Joe, that's it. That's what he said to me. That, that Folks, that's Cohen. That's Cohen's proof oh, that the collusion thing may have happened or his allegation. Now, of course, with me, the meeting, he's referring to the Trump Tower meeting, which was, um, if you're a listener to the show, you know the details on two Clinton-connected people uh, who are Russian, who are connected to the Clinton space, show up at Trump Tower uh, to set up Don Trump Jr., and it doesn't work. That's the real story behind the Trump Tower meeting. But remember what's going on here. Uh, the president, Don Trump uh, Sr., President Trump, has said repeatedly he didn't know about this Trump Tower meeting with Don Jr. So the reason Cohen and Lanny Davis are painting this dramatic picture, nobody goes behind the desk, and Don Trump Jr. came in, and he whispered in his ear, and he went behind, how do you whisper in his ear? And by the way, Cohen hears him like four or five feet away. I thought nobody went behind the desk. Um, again, it's amazing how this story just comes together to paint Trump as some kind of conspirator. And he says... You would th- like I was waiting for it. I was waiting for him to say, and Don Trump Jr. said, the Russians have all the dirt. We've got this, Dad. And that's not what he says. He says the meeting is all set. <laughs> but, Joe, that's it. That's it. He doesn't say what meeting. I mean, it could have been a meeting with the dog catcher. Um, It, it could have been a meeting with the tidy ball man. Um, it could have been a meeting with anyone, a business associate. The meeting is all set. That's the best. The, that's your Folks, you understand how stupid this whole case is? Do you understand you've been lied to? You know, and good for Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan. Shut this garbage down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Feed the Democrats their own garbage. 
I loved it when they opened up the hearing and they invoked procedural motions. Remember Brett Kavanaugh, Joe, the Democrats, the minute uh, they sure opened do. the proceeding, the Democrats, we're invoking mm-hmm. procedural motion 622 subsection F.B. 6254. And everybody's like, what are you talking about to try to shut down Kavanaugh? Good. Feed them their own garbage. New rules, folks. The new rules are we play on your turf now. You want to screw around with the procedural rules? Shut this thing down. This thing is garbage. This guy's a liar. We are engaging in a serious talk in the Korean Peninsula on the, excuse me, on the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula right now. And these idiots are at home playing taxi cab confessions at HBO series from the 80s. You know, Michael Cohen was involved in taxi cab medallion fraud, too, with a convicted self-admitted liar who's not even smart enough in his own written statement, Joe, to stay out of his own way. He contradicts himself twice in his opening statement on his two ma- on the two major core tenets of his testimony. Shut it down. Burn this sucker down this stupid hearing just the way they did it to us. They want to play ball. Let's play ball. Because this is crap. You understand what we're dealing with here, folks? Do you understand this, this, this new world of politics we're in now? Do you understand why it's battlefield morality, as I said on yesterday's show with, with Linda and Blair and Joe, and we had a bigger cast yesterday? Mm-hmm battlefield morality this is no time for talk about smoky daniels and i don't care i don't care about smoky daniels i don't care about smoky daniels sexual picadillos i don't care you know what i care about joe i care about infanticide economic destruction Mm -hmm. I care about the preservation of human life and economic liberty. I -hmm. care about the relentless attacks on people walking around with a red hat on that says, make America great again. I care about holding on to my second amendment rights. I care about getting kids an education in school. I care about the relentless tax assault on America by these wackadoodle green new deal lunatics who can't even figure out how to do math. We just found out it's going to be $93 trillion over 10 years to pay for this economic debacle. That's what I care about. These lunatics on the left trying to destroy, trying to decimate the Constitutional Republic, trying to invoke now the popular vote compact, which I want to get to today as well, to destroy any component of federalism. They want California and New York to decide the presidency to a popular vote compact. It's battlefield morality now, folks. The time for the old rules are out the window. The new rules are in effect. We must win. They must lose. And if they want to throw any semblance of order, Robert's rules of order out the window. If they want a box with mixed martial arts gloves with nail spikes inside them, then it's time for us to take the 20-ounce gloves off, to walk in the corner, tell your manager, get these gloves off. We're going bare knuckle now. And it's time for us to go bare knuckle too. And listen to me. And I mean this. If you don't have the stomach for this, you're never supposed to say this on radio podcasts. And I'm sorry, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but then this show's not for you. I'm not interested anymore in their garbage. I'm not interested in their Smokey Daniels stories. I don't care. I want to save babies born alive who are now, according to the Democrats, subject to being murdered. We're not talking about abortion anymore. We're not talking about abortion anymore. We're talking about murder. 
I want to save this country's future for my kids so we don't turn into some socialist Venezuelan hellhole. I want these kids in these black neighborhoods Michael Cohen's making up his lies about to be able to go to a school so they can get an education and live the American dream you and I have celebrated. I'm just really pissed today, folks. I'm sorry. I'm like really upset. I can't, I just, do you just feel like every, we're losing it? You just feel like everything's, Mm -hmm. I just feel like I'm 44. I'm not that old. I don't, I just feel like for the first time in my 44 years on the planet, 40 or so where I've been conscious, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like it's all coming apart. I really do. And I have a pretty, Decent memory of the 80s. I mean, I was young, but the malaise years and things weren't great. You know, my dad drove a Pinto. He was a plumber. Things were a little rough. Mm-hmm. But I just don't remember it like this. I don't remember 20, 30, 40% of the country who just reviled this man so committed to the destruction of the republic in an effort to take down one man. I've never seen anything like it. Joe, the country's been divided in times of war, depression, mm-hmm. recession. But if you, you're older than me or a guy I respect. Yeah. Have you ever seen it so divided when the country's growing, when unemployment is low? No. And, where, uh, where historic numbers of women and, 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 and black and Hispanic and, and minority employees are in the workforce. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, we've had this conversation many times and it just, Seems to be getting worse and worse every time. Uh, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. And, and we're not alone, Dan. No, I know we're not, brother. I, I mean, I, and, and that's what I love about my audience. Um, mm-hmm. You guys mean everything to me. And ladies, that's why I leave my email open. I, matter of fact, it was, it's not to get off topic, I, but I was doing a Fox and Friends hit this morning. And, a, and a, my, he says he's my biggest fan in China. I meet a guy named Dave <laughs> in the hotel lobby. He's waiting for me in the lobby in Vietnam. He's like, bag of donuts. I'm like, this is insane. We have like a world audience. I love you guys and ladies to death, but I, I, I mean it. Like I don't, I don't like to, to show too much emotion on this, but I'm really devastated by this whole thing, watching this charade. But I think you need to understand, and I, I hope many of you do that. This, the old rules are over, and if you don't have the stomach for this, all I ask is that you don't dissuade other people from the fight too. You know, fear is contagious. You see it. I remember my last line of work when we would be in hot zones and the golden rule, Joe, was to never, let's say, drop code. Was drop mm-hmm. code. The radios are coded. In this. If you drop code, people can hear you, so you can't use your radio. But drop code meant something different. It meant never panic no matter what. Never freak out because fear is contagious. It is. You panic. Other people panic. You need to have the stomach for this fight. This is going to get ugly. This is going to get really ugly. And it is time for us to get behind people like Meadows and Jordan, people who are taking the 20-ounce gloves off, people who are putting on the MMA gloves with the bare knuckles and going at it. All right. That's an interesting segue. I wanted to get to this. I was going to get to it yesterday, but there's really so much. I have no. <laughs> Joe actually can't see me today, but I have pages upon pages of notes here. Um, stories I haven't got to because it's been so busy. So I wanted to do the segue into this popular vote thing. 
I want to hat tip uh, this guy, Logan. Forgive me. I can't remember his last name. Logan something on Twitter. Uh, I was looking at some. I want to do this for a while. There's this popular vote compact. You know, the Democrats and their never ending march towards the destruction of the Constitutional mm-hmm. Republic show. They want to make sure California and New York uh, and Chicago, the population centers of the country, elect the president because they just don't believe in the republic. They want a direct democracy. Now, why the Democrats want a direct democracy, which sounds great, show democracy direct. Who doesn't want that? Democracy sounds like a mattress company. <laughs> democracy direct, <laughs> selling democracy, 40% off, right? A direct democracy is a very bad thing. You know, what's what's the old line? It's uh, two wolves and a sheep deciding what's for dinner, right? Of course, it's going right. to be the sheep. Direct democracy allows other people to vote away your rights. Um, that is why direct democracy is a bad thing. That's why we have a representative democracy known as our constitutional republic, where individual rights are protected against other people voting away their rights. Now, the courts have slowly dissipated that through the years. The republic is dissolving in front of our very eyes. Thankfully, Donald Trump is appointing constitutional conservatives as judges. Maybe we can turn the freedom train around. But Joe, mm-hmm. the Fabergé egg, the crown jewel of the Democrats' anti-constitutional republic plan is to eliminate the Electoral College. Oh, boy, do we want this thing to go away. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with eliminating the Electoral College, where, as you know, uh, we have 50 states. Uh, for your Barack Obama, we have 52. Um, and in those those states, when you add up the number of congressional representatives and the senators, of course, two from each state, that is the number of electors you get to elect the president. So Florida, we have a 27 congressmen and women, two senators. So Florida has a very healthy 29 electoral votes. Uh, now you have to get to 270. Uh, forgive me, I'm not insulting your intelligence, but the story won't make sense if some of you, you know, maybe a little shady on the numbers. Right. 270, you have to get to 270 to win the presidency, 270 electoral votes. Right. Now, to do that, you have to win a series of 50 state elections. The presidency is not a national election. It is essentially a series of 50 state elections where the winner of the state, not the nation, not the national vote, the winner of the state gets those electoral votes. Again, I'm not insulting your intelligence, but I wanted you to see how devious the Democrats are. Now, the Democrats want to get away from that because they don't want states like Wisconsin, Joe, and Iowa and Montana. Mm -hmm. They don't want those states to be able to vote what's good for Montana. They want California to be able to vote what's good for Montana, which Joe, do you think is good for Montana? Uh, probably. Not. Yes. In my uh, worst <laughs> golem voice out there. In my Bane voice. Of course not. <laughs> Fears for later. <laughs> I love Ben. Dana Lash does the best Bane ever, by the way. Hat tip Dana. Of course, California doesn't want what's best for Montana. California wants solar panels. South Dakota has natural gas reserves. You think California gives a about South Dakota's natural gas reserves? No, but we have a system of federalism so South Dakota can protect its people against California voters who want to have them for dinner. Now, the Democrats know darn well that they would need a constitutional amendment, Joe, to get rid of the uh, Electoral College. And you mm-hmm. think that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I'm going to venture to say hell to the... Mm, no. Mm-mm. No, it's not going to happen. You will never get a constitutional amendment, nor will the states agree to dumping their power. So the savvy little Democrats who are always coming up with anti-democratic, anti-constitutional republic means to try and circumvent the people's will. 
They said to themselves, well, what if we did this? This would be genius. What if we had a popular vote compact that doesn't require a constitutional amendment and the states equaling 270 electoral votes signed on now? You see why I laid the groundwork here? Yeah, yeah. If you can get enough Democrat or purpley leaning blue states to sign on to an agreement that they will not respect the voting will of their states, but will assign their presidential electors to what happens in the national popular vote and and, and enough of those states equaling 270 electoral votes agree to that then ladies and gentlemen, you don't need a constitutional amendment. Those states have de facto agreed or de de jure by their states have agreed that they are going to vote on what happens on the national popular vote. In other words, they're going to let California, New York, and Chicago decide the election for them. Now, this is frightening, Joe, because a number of states have in fact signed on to this. This is not some uh, pie-in-the-sky nonsense anymore. There's actual movement on this front which should frighten the heck out of you. Wow. Yes. They're almost close to that magic 270 number. They're almost there. Now, I want you to walk, think about this for a moment. I want to explain this, uh, you to explain this to your liberal friends because your liberal friends, keep in mind, all they want is a national popular vote. Again, because they, they, they just believe in uh, direct democracy, which is a disaster. What would happen, Joe, if let's say a state like Colorado, mm-hmm. this is one of the examples I saw on Twitter, which was a good one. Say a state like Colorado, which has been going deeper into the blue category, used to be purple, used to be red a long time ago. Yeah. And if I explain this poorly, stop me, but say Colorado in its state votes you know, whatever, 55-45 for the Democrat for president, right? So it's a route. Mm-hmm. So the, the citizens of Colorado in a traditional presidential election, as we do them now, have decided they want the Democrat, the Colorado electors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many they have, 20. I'm not sure. Probably not. They don't have even close to the population of Florida. But we will give our electors to whoever it is, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, whatever. That's how it would be done under our system now. Mm-hmm. According to the new popular vote compact, if Colorado were to sign on, Joe, let's say the Republican wins the national election by a sliver. Nationally, not in Colorado. Nationally, okay. Say say Trump wins by 50,000 votes. Colorado, now that what overwhelmingly for the Democrat, how do you think it's going to make them feel to have to go back to their citizens and say, no, no, we don't respect your will. All our electors will be assigned to Donald Trump. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. <laughs> <That's hysteria>. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest. Ca- See, you remembered. I love Thank it. I, yeah, we got an ESP mind link. Yeah, we got an ESPN mind link. It's a joke, folks. I know it's not ESPN. But that was great. I love it. It's my favorite Ghostbusters. I love it. That's exactly what would happen. You were, uh, that was, I forget, is that Venkman? I, was, I always get the names wrong. I remember the Ghostbusters. <laughs> the citizens of Colorado would be furious. Now, let's do a deeper analysis. This is what you get on this show. You're not going to get in these liberal shows. What do you think would happen with the citizens of Colorado? Joe, walk this through. So the citizens of Colorado have to now vote for Donald Trump because they've signed this compact and Trump wins the national vote, loses the Colorado vote handily. 
but wins the national vote by a sliver. Joe, do you think it's possible that the Democrats in Colorado who voted 55-45 for Trump's opponent would demand a recount? This can't be right. Nationally, 50,000 votes. This has to be wrong. You think they do that? I think so, yeah. I think you'd be right. I think so, yeah. Now, let's walk this through. All righty then. Let's say some of the, uh, you know, some of the states involved in that uh, who are doing now. Keep in mind, the states run their elections. The federal government does not run presidential elections. The states do. They are in charge. They're state board of elections. A state like, say, Texas, Joe, that has enormous electoral power, has over 30 electors, uh, electors voting for president. Let's say that state does the opposite. Votes 55-45 for Donald Trump. Let me just ask you a quick question, Joe. Do you mm. think it's possible the, I love Texas, as nothing. I, I love Floridians. I'm a Floridian guy and my friends up in New York. But Texans, mm. I love Texans. Texans will, knowing Texans like you and I know them. Do you think if Colorado and their 55-45 Democrat vote, do you think the Colorado Democrats making demands of the Texas Republicans who voted the other way for a national recount. In other words, each state's going to have to recount. How do you think the Texans are going to take that, Joe? You think they're going to be like, oh, okay, Colorado, hold on, just give us a few minutes. How do you think that's going to go down? Nah, that's going to be a bad scene, daddy Let me tell you something, yeah. Yeah. That's the greatest line ever. Dude, you need to cut that. We need a Joe Arbacost. That's going to be a bad scene, daddy You're damn right it's going to be a bad scene. I can see sitting in a Rudy's in Texas at a barbecue joint and some Colorado guy, some Colorado, you know, weed smoking, uh, you know, snowflake, snuggy wearing, hot cocoa sipping Democrat. Excuse me. Excuse me. Cowboy men. Cowboy men. Texas. Cowboy guys. Uh. I this I, I I'm Noah <laughs> from Colorado. Uh, I work for the DNC, and we are demanding a Texas recount. Yes, the, and he slams his hand. Those come. <laughs> I can see these. No, in Texas, one guy's got it. Got it. Got it. Dip in his mouth, and you got it. Dip and go. Spit, spit on the floor, guy. <laughs> Son, you may want to see yourself to the exit. Thank you. Have a nice day. That ain't going to go over well. No. I've been to Texas a lot. I consider myself a pretty tough guy. Sometimes you ever talk about the most tough guys don't say that, but eh, taking a few beatings in my lifetime, you know, just doing a few, whatever. I've been to Texas. Those dudes don't screw around. Matter of fact, those ladies don't screw around either. No. I'm reasonably confident Texas is going to tell you to go family-friendly show, I'd say pound sand. They'll actually tell you to do something else. It ain't gonna happen. Noah from Colorado has zero chance of a national recount. What I'm telling you, folks, is this popular vote compact in even a semi-close election in the scenario I just laid out would be a disaster of apocalyptic proportions. I'm serious. You would see states at at each other's throats demanding recounts, demanding uh, some kind of uniform federal rules over an election. It would be a disaster of, again, apocalyptic proportions. 
It is not going to happen. But again, on this show, you're going to get some deeper analysis on the liberal shows. All you're going to get is the people should decide. The people do decide. Numbskulls, they decide in their own states. It's called federalism. Look it up. The people should decide. Really? What else should the people decide? Should the people decide they can confiscate Joe's podcasting equipment? The people decide. If 51 people, if 51% of the people vote to take the Dan Bongino show off the air because they don't like the content, should that happen? I thought you just said the people should decide. No, the rule of law, Joe, should decide. Order should decide. Fidelity to big R rights granted by God and the protection of individual rights. That should decide. The people don't decide anything. In a representative democracy, you vote for a series of legislative proposals guided by the protection of big R rights granted to you by God enshrined in a document we called the Constitution. That's how civil people govern. Maniacs. Popular. Be wary. I don't cover anything on this show that I don't think is important to you. I'm not wasting you. I got one hour with you every day. Keep your eye on this popular vote thing. And remember that scenario. Noah from Colorado walking into Texas. Guys, cowboys, I'm <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that one. All right. <laughs> this is good stuff today. I'm like a little loopy because I'm, I'm, I, it's just the craziest thing ever. You get, you, when you, you're 12 hours, I'm on the other side of the earth and I stay up all night, all night here. And now I'm here five days. And no matter how much I try to stay on Eastern time, <laughs> your body craves sunlight and it just wants to be on a normal schedule. But if I convert now, I got to go home and you know, two, three days, it'll be a total train wreck. I'll have to do the reverse. So yeah. like on but the dark side of the moon, dude. Oh, brother, <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, it is the weirdest whoa, thing yeah. ever. Uh-huh. Me and Linda and everyone, we're working at like, and I think the on the ground here in Vietnam, the, the locals are smart, but they, they're like, gosh, you guys work all night and all day. And I, I was telling one of, one of the, one of the, I had coffee brought up to the room before the show. And uh, the lady who came to drop it off, She's like, are you okay? Like you're drinking coffee so late at night. I mean, you know, it's, it's late here. It's, uh, you know, it's after midnight. And I was like, no, I'm good. Like it's, it'll be okay. She's like, but you're not gonna be able to go to sleep. I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm not, there's no sleep here. There's no sleep. We're good on the sleep. thing. Like, we forfeited the sleep thing a long time ago. So, okay. Uh, let's see what else do I want to get to. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, the worst Republicans pounce story ever. Uh, you know I am infatuated with these Republican pounce stories. Now, for some of you regular listeners know what that is, some of you don't. Republicans pounce is what the lunatics in the media, the lunatics in the media, these far-left activist hacks who forfeited their journalistic street cred a long time ago, whenever there's a story that reflects negatively on the Democrats, I mean really negatively, I'm not something you can really gloss over. Um, whether it, you know, it's, it's the infanticide bill, the, the embarrassing green new deal, things that were just, you know, so embarrassing. Ocasio Cortez had to take down portions of the FAQs. They were talking about gassy cows and stuff. The media has this subtle little trick they do to gaslight you where they never write about the embarrassing Democrat story. The story becomes about what Joe? The Republican response. Yes, sir. It's very savvy. You have folks when 
this is one of those things you can't unsee. You ever see those visual illusions where when someone points out to you what it is, like the two lines, which one's parallel, which was, and then when you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. When you see Republicans pounce headlines, you will ne- you'll see it everywhere. You will never unsee it again. Look for it. This, and they will literally be written. You know, Democrats vote on, you know, uh, uh, abortion bill and Republicans pounce. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Brett Kavanaugh's uh, accuser flubs answer and Republicans pounce. It's never about the accuser flubbing the answer. It's never about a bill the Democrats just voted on, which would allow basically doctors to kill uh, infants outside, the literally outside the womb. It's never about that, Joe. It's about the Republicans pouncing. This is the worst one ever. So a couple days ago, I wanted to get to it again. I'm my sincere apologies. There's so much stuff. Politico wrote a story about a bill Republican Senator from Nebraska, Ben Sass, put up there in light of the atrocious comments by Democrat Governor of Virginia about infanticide. How remember mm-hmm. we were going to keep the baby comfortable while we decide, decide what? To kill it? What do you mean? Decide, what decision is there to make? The baby's born. It's a human being outside the womb. It's a human being at conception, but it's outside the womb. This isn't about abortion. This is about murder. It's simple. So Ben Sash just put a very simple bill up in front of the Senate and good for Mitch McConnell for making the Democrats vote on it. And the bill said this, if a baby is born alive, it is entitled to medical attention. Joe, that is the bill. There's not a trick in it. Mm-hmm. That's the bill. Now, folks, in it, I don't even want to say in a sane world because it's in a compassionate, rational world. I guess sane is, I don't even know what to say. And you would think this would be a hundred to zero, this vote. Oh, if a baby's born in a botched abortion outside the womb, of course it should get medical. I mean, is this, I'm pro-life conception to natural death. I support life. I don't support the death penalty. I don't, I, I, I'm going to get a thousand emails on it, but that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That's where I stand. Those have been my principles from day one. But let's be clear. You don't have to be pro-life on any of that to understand that when a child is born and survives an abortion, this is a human life outside of the womb. It's a human life. This is a born child. It's a human life from conception. But even the pro-abortion crowd, you would think would have the decency to say, wait, this is a crying infant on a table and we're going to kill it? Now, for you liberals listening to my show, I know you're there. I read your tweets. Let Let me take this out of the abortion arena for a second and ground you in this. If I were to get on the air today and say, I'm going to sponsor a bill that if a litter of puppies is born and one of them's born and is struggling, that we should kill that puppy. That puppy should not be entitled to any veterinary care at all. Understandably so, Joe, you and, well, you're not a liberal, but every liberal is going to be like, that is horrible. Mm. You're telling me in a, in a, a dog nursery or whatever, a pound that puppies are born. If one of them's struggling and the vet wants to come in and provide care that we should ban the vet from caring for that struggling puppy. Yes, that's my bill. You would say, are you crazy? That's savage Neanderthal like behavior. Yes. 
It is. But you're willing to do that to a human child? That's exactly what you did by voting this down. Now, who voted for this? Or against this bill, I should say. In other words, allowing children to be killed outside the womb. Oh, Kamala Harris running for president, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Incredible. Now, Joe, what's the headline? You would think in a sane world, Joe, Mm -hmm. that the headline would be Democrat Senate candidates or Democrat candidates for president in the U.S. Senate vote for the uh, termination of human life outside the womb. That's exactly what happened. No, 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 no. That's not the headline, folks. The headline is Senate defeats anti-abortion bill. Anti-abortion. It's nothing to do with abortion, folks. The child's born alive. Senate defeats anti-abortion bill as GOP tries to jam Dems. Republicans pounce. When you learn to see it, In media stories, you will see it everywhere. It is never about the sick, insane depravity. Never. It is of the left. It is always about the Republican response to it. This is the kind of hacktivist media nonsense we have to deal with every single day. It's disgusting. (sighs) Gosh. Horrible. All right, folks. Uh, listen, I really appreciate today. Sorry for getting a little emotional there. I just, um, yeah, I've been up for a long time. It's important for me to come over with uh, Fox and do some coverage over here, but I do never, ever want to disrespect my audience. And I just, uh, I've been up for a really long time mm. and I never want to miss my shows. I enjoy it. This is my favorite part of every day, meeting up with Joe and, and getting my voice out to you and not having any anyone in my ear telling me to wrap it up or what I got to talk about or how I got to say it. So- <laughs> It means a lot to me, and sometimes you get a little pure, unadulterated emotion there, and I just feel like everything's just falling apart, and it's time for us to get ready for the fight ahead. We're tough. We're all those, um, we're the cowboys sitting in the Rudy's, or like the broken spoke barbecue place somewhere. (laughs) We're the ones grabbing a piece of brisket with our hands, shoving it in our mouth while Noah from Colorado comes in with his hot cocoa. We're not Noah from Colorado. I love Colorado. There's some tough people out there too. But yeah, you're the dude in the cowboy hat. Get ready to take the brisket, stuff it in your mouth. No forks. There's some tough times ahead. I know you're ready for it. All right, I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.